Welcome to Talking in Vain, a podcast of the Infusion Nurses Society. I'm Dawn Behrendt, the Clinical Education and Publications Manager for the INS. My guest today is Adele Webb, Assistant Dean, External Relations and Partnerships for Capella University. Welcome, Adele. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you very much. I'm excited about the opportunity. Okay, so Adele, let's have you start out today the way I do with most of our guests. I like to have you introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do. Okay, sure. I'm happy to do that. Um, As you listen to this podcast, um, you'll probably recognize that I've been a nurse probably longer than a lot of you have been alive. I've been a nurse all my life. Um, I do have um, both a bachelor's and master's in nursing. I have a PhD in nursing from Wayne State. I've both been in clinical practice and education. My clinical practice area historically was pediatric trauma, and I moved into HIV, and I've done HIV and nurse capacity building for the World Health Organization for a number of years. I have also taught um, in several institutions. I am now at Capella, where I'm the Assistant Dean of External Relations and Partnerships. And it's a real interesting opportunity, so I get to work with organizations like the Infusion Nurses on topics around thought leadership, and so that's what brings me to this podcast today. So thanks for um, letting me just tell a little bit about myself. You're welcome. So let's dive into today's topic. Today we're talking about the changing landscape for nursing and how the role of nursing might look different in the future. So Adele, I'm going to have you take it away. And I know the first thing that we had planned on talking about was about the pyramid of care. So for our listeners, tell us uh, about the pyramid of care and what it is. Sure. So I'm sure all of you have heard of the Institute of Medicine report, which is now the National Academy of Medicine, their report that came out on the future of nursing. So when their report came out, they talked about the current healthcare system. And if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I'm sure you all remember that pyramid and that, you know, you met the first one and you moved up to the second one. But visualize that pyramid and think about where we spend most of our time now. So right now in healthcare, we spend most of our time in acute care. And then as we transition up, we move to long-term care, home care, primary care with less of an emphasis on wellness. So that's what the current pyramid of care looks like. But what we're looking at in the future is really turning that upside down. So really starting to focus more on wellness and primary care. And we've started to see that transition already. And from wellness, then moving into management of chronic illness, working within the home, then less long-term care and even less acute care as we see our practices moving out of the hospitals. You know, when I think about care right now, I think that there are people being cared for at home that historically were in the hospital. The people that are on the floors now used to be in ICU. And honestly, the people that are in ICU, they didn't survive before. <laughs> you are so we didn't right. Have the technology. Yeah. Yeah. And so our care is shifting out, out of acute care into the home. And this opens opportunities for us. And I actually think it's really exciting for nurses. It is. It is. And it's 
an entirely different way of thinking about this. And I love the visual of the pyramid, you know, being the widest space at the bottom was where we spent most of our time. And the tinier spaces up at the top were um, spaces where we had fewer people employed and fewer people being cared for. And flipping that upside down is going to really revolutionize healthcare and the way nurses work. So let's go on. Let's talk about the changing care venues. And as those changes take place, what is the responsibility of nursing and the nursing education programs? So I'm sure most of you know that the original future of nursing was for 2020. And they're now starting to look at the future of nursing for 2030. And if you go on the National Academies of um, medicine website, you can actually access the webinars that have been occurring. And so what the focus is really becoming, not just for nursing, but for healthcare, are on the social determinants of health. So social determinants of health are those things in your environment, um, your opportunity for education, your opportunity to access healthcare, transportation, finance, those pieces. So when you look at the changing roles of the nurse in this kind of environment, you start to see that there's a big opportunity to work with populations. You keep hearing the words population health. So for nurses to work out in the communities, work on wellness with populations, do some of those campaigns that we used to hear about that kind of went away, um, really moving towards more of a model of holistic care than episodic acute care. So caring for someone across the continuum. And as we think about that, that role starts to change. So instead of working seven to seven in an acute care setting and walking away and having different patients perhaps every night, you can have a cadre of patients that you follow through the chronicity of their healthcare journey out in the community. And you start to develop a different kind of relationship with that kind of patient. So I see this as really exciting for nurses because if you think about why you went into nurses, what do nurses do? Nurses mm -hmm. care. And how do we get that opportunity to care beyond these little bursts of seeing somebody in a vulnerable state in the hospital? We get that opportunity by following them throughout their trajectory. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And we know that sometimes those transitions of care from one setting to the other and <laughs> to another are um, really crucial. And there are patients who can slip through the cracks and certain aspects of their care and their safety can be missed because of those gaps between spaces and places where people receive care and it seems like having this on a continuum just makes sense well absolutely and if you think about the emerging roles for nurses one of the roles does just that it keeps people from falling through the cracks so it's a, a role of care coordinator so this is someone who can do population health management tiered coordination of someone pulling in all the services that are important so historically, you've heard this um, term case manager, but this is beyond case manager. So it's not just managing one person and making sure their appointments are all set up and that they have transportation. 
this is really going beyond and looking at the environment in which they live and people that are like them and providing opportunities to improve a situation as your care coordinator and help them not just have that episodic chronic care, but actually blend wellness mm-hmm. in with the role. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Adele, for that response. Now, let's, let's talk about the five areas where nurses' roles will definitely change and the impact that we believe we will see in healthcare. Absolutely. So the first one we've talked about is care coordinator. And um, it's described as I talked about before, but it's kind of that ability to follow populations through their healthcare journey. That is going to have a huge impact on communities and improving community health. And, you know, as we see communities and some of the things they're suffering from kind of as a group, as a population, becomes very concerning for healthcare outcomes. So this is an opportunity for a nurse to really get in there and make a difference and form relationships on a different level. So I see the care coordinator as something that's very hands-on, very involved, and very exciting. Another opportunity to think about, we need to think about how healthcare education needs to change. So right now, if you're a nursing student or if you're soon out of school or you're a faculty, you know that the majority of their clinical time is spent in an acute care setting. We need to start looking at where they're actually going to Mm -hmm. practice when they get out, which is more than likely in the community. So there's an opportunity for a nurse as a faculty member to become that faculty nurse leader and helping transition the whole philosophy of nursing education into a more realistic model. You know, one of the things that the future of nursing talks about, but you also see all over the literature, is that transition to practice. That nursing student who graduates and starts to practice and thinks, wait a minute, this isn't even what I (laughs) thought I was going to do. So, oh, it just, Mm -hmm. you see it happen. And so you have to have that person who's willing to step forward as a faculty team leader, not just a faculty person, but really the person who starts to contribute and change the whole philosophical basis Mm -hmm. of nursing education. Another exciting role is primary care partner. And so as we look more at this team nursing and partnering up with other healthcare providers, especially as we move into the community, you're going to see more and more opportunities for nurses to practice as primary care providers. And one thing that's really interested, especially about this in the nurse practitioner role, is if you look at physicians, fewer and fewer physicians are taking as their specialty primary care. Now, I know that as a physician, you can specialize in almost everything. Uh, my brother is a physician, and he now is a lipidologist. <laughs> now, that's something my mother will never understand what that is. But when you get that specific, you know, that's where their opportunities are. That's where their interest lies. This opens up a huge opportunity for nurse practitioners in primary care. Um, and a role that I think is perhaps the most exciting is around technology and informatics. So you see more and more robotics coming into practice. We have robots right now in the hospitals um, delivering medications, bringing the code cart, some of them even going into rooms as sitters, setting off an alarm if someone goes off 
And people start to wonder what the nurse's role will be like. Are these nurse extenders? Are they going to take away the role of the nurse? What's going to happen? And when I think about that, and I've thought, I've looked a lot at some of these robots that are out there. You know, we went into nursing to care for patients. Patients are being cared for by nurses because they have that need, that vulnerable time. So robots can perform tasks, but they Mm. can't care. So I see them more as nurse extenders doing some of the things that truly are tasks that don't require that nursing eye. But I did see a trial of a robot that was um, delivering medications to the patients. So these were not narcotics and, you know, a certain kind of medication. And I'll tell you what gave me pause about that. When I walk in a room to deliver a medication, I look how they're sitting in the bed. I look at their face drooping. I, I look at how they're speaking to me, what their color is, you know, their IV site. I mean, I, you know, you do this, you don't even think about it. You don't think I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to look at this, this, and this. But when a robot mm-hmm. goes in there, they're not doing any of that. Yeah, yeah. So I just can't imagine that they will take away the role of the nurse. I'm hoping they augment the role of the nurse. But for nurses being involved in informatics, we have to get in in the beginning. Right now what we do is we respond to things as they happen. Something new comes out, we learn about it, we use it. Again, something new comes out, we need to be there at the design level. We need nurses to get in there and say, this is what we need. This is how we need it to work. This is what we need it to do. We also need to evaluate what's out there. If you go in the literature and you look up some of these robots and you look at outcomes, there's nothing published. Because I've been trying to look at safety and efficacy of some of this robotics, Mm -hmm. and it's not out there. We need to give our feedback. This helps me. It doesn't help me. This hurts me. This is dangerous. This is great. You know, whatever it is, we need to publish. We need to think about places like Nursing 2020 or AJN, publish some case studies of working with robotics and really let people know, you know, what is the role of technology as it comes to nursing? You know, there's virtual visits, there's telehealth. All of these things are exciting and are out there. But are they helping us or are they hurting us? And we need nurses to be involved in that decision, not Mm -hmm. engineers. Okay. Um, In a little bit, I'm going to come back to that topic with you and ask a few questions. But let's go on to that fifth area um, where we're going to see change. So really the fifth area is a nurse. It's called in the literature, they talk about a nurse family cooperative facilitator. And this is somebody that helps bring that virtual health into the home. So, you know, we have people, I think about my mom, my mom's 91 and she lives by herself at home and they have given her some technology to use and she can't Mm. use it. She doesn't understand it and she doesn't trust it. And so this is a role now for a nurse to work as that facilitator to help implement some of that technology with the patient and the family as it comes out. So number one, it builds trust. Number two, you make sure it's been used, it's using correctly. And then your third role is really 
analyzing the information that's coming in and making decisions about next steps. Okay, fascinating. So I'm going to um, just list the topics, and then we're going to come back to some of these and discuss them a little bit more. Uh, so you listed, number one, the care coordinator. Number two, the, the changes mm-hmm. um, in education. Uh, primary care partners. The fourth one was talking about technology, informatics. And the fifth one was that nurse family cooperative facilitator. So all really interesting. And I think it's it's worth renoting those five areas. So let's start at the bottom and work back our work our way back up again. So I like how you talked about the use of technology. And, you know, we are all in a position, regardless of our age, our generation, we are in a situation where we have to embrace technology. And perhaps we haven't grown up in the digital age and everything isn't as innate to us, um, but we do have to get there. Um, But the question is, does a 90-some-year-old patient need to get there? And I think the answer is they really need the benefit of the technology that we're talking about, but they may not be capable of using it. And I, I like this bridge that you're describing where there is a facilitator who comes. I, I think about my own mother. Um, she lived with us for a period of time um, while she was working through dementia and uh, Alzheimer's. And I remember having a, a phone for her that I thought would be the easiest, the best phone, um, a connection to the outside world, a way that I could uh, keep in touch with her if I had to leave for a while and she was here alone, and, and she couldn't do it. She, she just simply couldn't do it. And I don't think it was about her dementia state. It was really about the technology. So I'm sure that you're mm-hmm. seeing some of that with you, with your mother. Um, something as simple as a phone. Phones look different than the phone that they used to have that was hanging on the wall with a bungee cord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And so she recently got, she, she has trouble hearing, so she got a phone that's supposed to display the words as someone talks so she uh-huh. can read them. So what happens is, while in the words, she can't hear what you're saying. I mean, it's it sounded like a good idea. And this is one of the things where we have to weigh in. Things that sound like a good idea that don't work, people need to know. Because her insurance is providing these phones for free to people mm-hmm. like her. And it's actually worse than uh, it was before. Complicates things. But there's also, I mean, there's a huge level of mistrust. And not just in the elderly. But, you know, there are a lot of people that aren't familiar with technology. Right now, I mean, my grandkids are growing up. You know, they've had phones since they were three years old. If I need help with my computer, I get my (laughs) nine-year-old grandson. He can fix it. But for people, even my children who now have children, they didn't grow up with that technology. And so there's there's mistrust, and you hear about all the fraud that goes on and the spam and the... So getting someone who doesn't have the the technology at their fingertips, they've never had the education, they're afraid mm-hmm. to use it. 
but it's kind of interesting what's available. So for my mom, when she gets up in the morning, she stands on a mat and it sends her weight to her nurse practitioner wirelessly. She has a runner in her hall that as she walks, it measures her gait. So if she was staggering or stumbling or dragging her leg, it would record that. She wears a patch that does her blood pressure. It does her glucose. It does some of her other electrolytes. I mean, she is truly living at home because of technology. But somebody has to manage that, and who's paying attention to that? And that's one of these roles for the nurses to have opportunities as a care coordinator to gather that data as it comes in in real time and then make decisions. Is she okay? Does she need a call? Does she need to be seen? You know, does it, has she gained an enormous amount of weight overnight? Does somebody need to do something about her Lasix? I mean, all of these things, while they're great and they're added opportunities and they're giving us information, someone has to manage it. And that management becomes the role of the nurse. Interesting. So we will see some, some, uh, Jetson-like <laughs> technology in our homes yes. in the future. <laughs> so now going back up to uh, the change in the care area, number four was uh, technology and, and informatics. And I wanted to talk about that robotics piece. Um, and, you know, I, you get this mental picture in your head of, of what a robot looks like and um, how they might be created to maybe look human or maybe look more like a machine. And whatever the case, um, nursing really needs to face their fears with something like this. Um because there is this service that, that can be provided, and it's, it's almost comical to think of a robot going in and passing meds. Um, but but what, is, what is the part that's keepable? What is the part that we can truly embrace, embrace our fears, get over it, and what can, you know, how can our patients be benefited in a way that we, that we can't achieve right now with the limited resources that we do have? So here's what I think about nursing. You know, when you go into nursing, more than likely, you want to be that nurse who holds that hand, who sits with the patient, who talks to the family. Right now, we don't have time to do that. With staffing shortages and the level of chronicity and the care that we provide, there's just not time. If by using some of the advantages of this robotics, it takes away some of the tasks oriented pieces and frees up our time to be the kind of nurse we want to be, I think it's really exciting. You know, research shows that only 20% of a nurse's time Mm. is spent at the bedside. The rest is doing all the other tasks that go with that. If some of the robotics can take that away, I think that's excellent for nursing. My caution is we can't go overboard. You know, there are some things that our nurses roll that, that should not be given up because of safety reasons and oh, because absolutely. of ethics. But I think nurses need to learn to trust the robots, too, because there is that level of fear of, you know, I've always done it this way and I know this way works and I'm not going to trust you to do it. I'm not going to trust a robot to do it. I'm not going to trust a new grad to do it because I've always done it this way. 
So we're there, there are some things we need to learn to let go. And as we begin to trust them and let go, we can pass that on to our patients. I think part of it is our response to, to the patients when they say, the doctor wants me to do this and I don't want to do this because I don't trust it. We need to be able to say, we know this works and we trust mm-hmm. it and this is why. But we have to overcome that mm-hmm. hurdle first. And, you know, when you think about what the robots look like, I always wonder about the patient perception (laughs) in the hospital or who's getting the care. You know, when something rolls in and they're like, what? You know, that's not what I was expecting. Where's my nurse? Um, I always thought, you know, I don't know if you watch The Big Bang Theory, but there was a time when Sheldon was afraid he was going to get exposed to something. He put an iPad on an IV pole. I saw the episode. He had his green T-shirt on. Yes. Yes. And so that's kind of what I pictured in the beginning when you think about it. But I was recently at a hospital in North Carolina, and they have a very sophisticated robot that has a screen that looks like a face that the physicians or the nurse practitioners do telemedicine through. A nurse has to accompany it. So a nurse will hold on the stethoscope and the provider can hear the heart rate or they can say, move it here, move it there, you know, do respiratory and so on. And so it's a nice little segue into trusting robotics because it still has that human piece. So as we transition then to no more human piece as it performs some tasks, I think it gives a level of comfort as kind of a bridge. Okay, very good. So I want to jump up to the second topic or care area that you talked about, and that is changes in education. So um, we know nursing education is a tremendous undertaking, and we know that the content, everything that is packed into those years uh, that produces a degree in nursing is, is overwhelming. And just squeezing one more thing in there is, is not easy at all. Um, in the world of infusion nursing, um, one of the things that we work with and that we, that we help to manage but we don't quite understand is why so much content is removed. And specifically, um, vascular access you know, placing an IV. You know, I remember the day when, you know, that was kind of a rite of passage where a student was able to place an IV on a real patient and it happened and they got to move on from there. And um, we are finding that many schools of nursing have removed much of that curriculum from their program because of the needs that are um, required elsewhere, the educational needs, and that um, there is, has been a transfer of that responsibility to the organization from which the, the new grad will work. Um, what are your thoughts about that and some of the things that we've had to leave behind in education to make the way for the new world that we're moving into? Well, I think, you know, those are good questions. And you know, when I think about how nursing education has changed, and I've been in it a long time, one of the, it, we face two issues. One is we don't have enough nursing faculty, but the second is we don't have enough clinical placement sites. And so we're limited into the number of nurses we can take in, thus contributing to the nursing shortage. 
but we're also limited in how we provide the education to the nurses we have. So one of the ways we're doing that is through simulation. And while simulation is amazing, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've seen the simulators, it's not the same. And there are some programs where the majority of their clinical is done in simulation because they don't have that opportunity to have those clinical sites. My daughter went through an associate degree program, her pediatrics, her maternal child, this were all done by simulation. Oh, my God, it was so scary. I think another issue is, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but a lot of places teach to the test. You know, you're judged on how many people pass the NCLEX. There are no skills on the NCLEX. Mm. And so the skills become less important to the nursing programs because they're not on the test. Now, when we're looking at next-gen NCLEX, which I think is going to come out, it's been delayed. It might be 2023, but don't mm-hmm. quote me on that. Um, they're considering adding some of those skills, which will put the onus back on the program to teach those skills. But you're right. It's not just IVs. It's catheters. It's NGs. It's, it's kind of those task pieces that they learn about the why, but they don't mm-hmm. learn about the how. And that's what's starting some of these transition to practice concerns is you're getting a, a brand new graduate nurse into your institution and they can't do any of these tasks. And so it lengthens their orientation time. It becomes mm-hmm. very expensive. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then the organization itself has to develop a program like a nurse residency program or some other educational format that is going to supplement whatever that nurse needs um, just just to begin their practice with real human beings. And um, it is very interesting. It's, it's interesting, and it's, it's really unfortunate. It's unfortunate for the student because they're not getting the real picture of being a nurse. And those are the students that come out and are not successful. And when you think about all the money and time they invested going to nursing school, it's really unfortunate that they could start practicing and think, I didn't know this is what a nurse mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. And finally, I wanted to move back up to the very first area where nurses' roles were changing, and that's the area of that care coordinator. And as you describe that care coordinator as that person who just really looks out uh, projected over time with this patient, you know, across all settings and has accountability for this patient to make sure that they have all that they need, whether they're living in a community setting or whether they're receiving care and acute care for a period of time. It reminds me of the late 1970s where Marie Manthe kind of authored the, the concept of primary nursing, and primary nursing kind of hit its phase um, in the 70s, uh, became very popular into the 80s, and, um, and, and so on and so forth. But in, then um, what primary nursing became later was something else. But primary nursing, at its inception, um, was about one individual being accountable and coordinating all of the care that a patient would need. And granted, um, the concept was was applied in medical surgical wards at the outset in an acute care setting or in a hospital-type setting, Uh, but then it expanded from there. Uh, 
and that definition also changed drastically over the years. But it, it, it's, it's fascinating that something that was a great concept back then was applied, um, now has kind of morphed into something else. But it's really about that relationship and that ongoing care that, that this person has, someone looking out for them and orchestrating all of the events that are necessary for their wellness, their treatment plan, and um, moving beyond. So, yeah, no, go ahead. No, go, oh, please sorry. go ahead. Well, I was going to say, no, that's true. And you know, we have seen, if you stay in nursing long enough, you see it go from primary to team to primary, mm-hmm. back and forth. The difference about the care coordinator is that primary care nurse was really focused mm-hmm. on that acute care experience and perhaps immediate discharge. But if you think about a care coordinator, if you look at social determinants of health, which is really where healthcare is moving, social determinants of health are determining if somebody has a chance to make a good choice. So for instance, if you're working with someone that's diabetic and you say to them, you need to eat healthier. Well, do they have the chance to do that? Because they can't make the choice to eat healthier if they don't have Mm -hmm. the chance to do it. And so the care coordinator is really looking at what chances do the people in this community have to make good choices? So do they have safe housing? Do they have fresh food markets? Do they have access to education and jobs, access to healthcare systems? They have transportation. Um, They have social support. What kind of crime is there? Can they go outside? Is there a green space? And so it's really working within the community to improve community situations for populations that your patients Mm -hmm. live in. So a lot of this work is done through churches, and it's done done through nonprofit organizations, and it's done through professional organizations, and it's really pulling in, as that care coordinator, pulling in the resources that you can find to give your patients that chance to make a good choice. Very good. So Adele, we have been talking for about 34 minutes now, and um, we're pretty close to wrapping up, but I wanted to give you an opportunity, this is such a fascinating discussion, um, to share with us anything else that's on your mind, anything that we'd, we'd like to touch on yet before we close the podcast. Well, you know, I would just like to say to the people listening, no matter where they're at in their nursing career, if they're nursing students, I find nursing to be one of the most satisfying, rewarding professions out there. And I think as nurses in our role, we have a responsibility to continue to grow the profession. And so any opportunity you get to pay attention to what people are saying about health care, to say something, you know, I think about the airports, they say, if you see mm-hmm. something, say something. I feel that way about our profession. If we see something, we need to say something. We need to have our voices be heard. I think we're 18 years running the most trusted profession. Mm-hmm. in the United States, we need to make sure that we are having an impact. We have we stand on the shoulders of people who worked really hard to get nursing where it is, and it's our responsibility now to not just keep us there but move it forward. So, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility on us, but I think it can be real exciting well. Well said, Adele. Thank you so much for being with me today. You have been an excellent guest. 
Thank you. And this concludes this episode of Talking in Vain. Thank you so much for listening. Bye now.